Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Poor people have it. Rich people need it. If you eat it, you die. What is it? Nothing. I can't come up with anything either, Batman. No, Chief. The answer is nothing. How can nothing be a clue when it's not even a thing? In this case, nothing is certainly something, Robin. Let's see. Zero. Zilch. Goose egg. Precisely. Farmer Jones delivered a shipment of his prize-winning goose eggs to the local market just last week. They're after eggs? It's not what was delivered, Commissioner. Rather, when? Last Tuesday, which was also the night of the total lunar eclipse. You see, it's really quite simple. The Atomic Energy Laboratory, headed by our old friend Professor Nichols, just opened a new wing dedicated to the science of total lunar eclipses. And I'll bet my cowl the laboratory is where those felonious fiends are going to strike next. Of course. How could I not see it myself? Come on, Robin. There's a bad moon on the rise. To the Batmobile. What would we do without him, Commissioner? I shudder to even consider it, O'Hara. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Barry Constantine, and welcoming back our frequent DC animation commentator, and that's Stacy Duke. Stacy, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Very, very chuffed to be on the show. I think this is going to be a fun one. So, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. been, um, uh, I've been looking. We we're looking for having something on uh, after you came on for the Superman one, and I saw this one on HBO Max, and I've been meaning to watch this for years. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we dive too much into that, and you know, people already know who you are and everything. You've been on the show enough times, but. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what you're into lately. What kind of stuff has been grabbing your interest? You know, movies, TV, comics, what is it? Um, Well, the most recent piece of, like, superhero-related media that I saw was Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I recently caught that in the the theater. And I have to say that it's it's quite, quite enjoyable, quite, quite fun. It's got a very, uh, very much a, a feel of, like, the... It's got a bit of that power of Shazam, kind of mixed with the new vibe that Jeff Johns brought to the Shazam universe as well, Um, with the Marvel family being, you know, uh, as big as it is, although they still don't quite have that name yet. That's the Mm -hmm. one that's the one part that they they kept teasing it. We're like, Freddie calls himself Captain Every Power, and then he refers to Billy as Captain Every Power Jr., <laughs> this is a fun bit, but I'm like, you're so close. You're so close to getting it. And they don't, obviously. But there's some right. fun bits of business in it. And you get to see, you know, Shazam fighting a dragon, which is no bad thing. And you got like you've got Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu uh playing villains, playing the daughters of Atlas, and they're ostensibly trying to get the power of Shazam back to kind of kickstart their world slash get revenge on the world of of man. So that's that's really interesting. And, and you kind of see how Billy's been dealing with the 
with his new family dynamic where at first in the first movie, he didn't really have time for them, but now he, he really wants to hold on to them so badly, even though they're all just kind of starting to drift and do their own thing. But he's, he's, he's dealing with that fact and he's about to turn 18. So he's about to age out of the foster system. And he's concerned that, you know, Victor and Rose are going to kick him out of the house. So there's, there's a bunch of like fun bits of business there. And they, they actually do some fun stuff with the rock of eternity where I was like, Oh, that's really neat. It's, it's it's a lot bigger than just the throne room. It's kind of like the TARDIS. It's got all this these different things and like the room with all the doors and and a hidden occult library and prison cells. Like it's it's actually pretty neat. So yeah, it's a shame we'll never get to see that seventh throne filled because um, somebody somebody doesn't like the idea of like you know being in Shazam for some reason, although his character directly ties into it, but we're not here to talk about that. So I'm just going to put my anger about that in the happy box and we'll move on to, but yeah. But if you want to see Shazam Fury of the Gods and you see it like playing in a matinee, yeah, by all means go. It's, it's, it's real fun. I would recommend. How do you compare it to the first one? Is it better, uh, not as good or on par? I would say it's, it's, it's as good, maybe a scotch better because everybody's a little more assured now. We all know the drill. They've all got the powers. You get a chance to see everybody kind of bring things to the table and you get to see the parents come a little more into the fore. You get to see, I don't want to spoil too much, but you know, the rumors of the wizard's death might be slightly exaggerated. So we get to see some mm -hmm. fun with the wizard and Billy and their dynamic. So yeah, I would, I would recommend it. And uh, if you've managed to avoid spoilers, there's some... There's some stuff in here where you're like, oh, well, it's logical that this would happen and this person would show up. So, OK, I get it. So but if you know, you know, but it's fun. OK, I cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've avoided. I haven't been trying to, but just managed to avoid spoilers. Like I'm not a big I was never a big Shazam Captain Marvel guy. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the first one and well enough. Um, Black Adam's a different story, but <laughs> I, mostly yeah. I want to see Black Adam just for Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. And I, mean, I was yeah. happy with that. On that, I was Fair. happy with that. So I got that. And um, if they wanted to do a Hawkman movie, I would be all about it because Hawkman was real cool in that movie. So they actually found he was a way under, to make him fun. Yeah, but underutilized, yeah. Very underutilized. Like I was looking forward to seeing him, but I was just I was kind of disappointed by what we got in there. I mean, mm -hmm. I was very happy with what we got with Dr. Fate, though. So Brosnan did oh, not yeah. disappoint on that aspect. Um but yeah, and like this one, I think I'm just waiting for it to come on to HBO Max. I'm not in any rush to see it. Uh, my wife actually enjoyed Shazam more than I did. So, um, oh, wow. but we'll probably have to wait until it comes out on Japanese rentals so we can get uh, Japanese subtitles for her. That is that is fair. Uh, it yeah. is it is it is enjoyable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but for my part, what I've been into lately is I just started. Uh, well, two things actually. First off, I've been playing around with uh, Chat GPT. And just oh, as yeah. a writer, it's been it's been really cool because like I I plug mm. in like, you know, I've got a bunch of these kind of like half baked ideas floating around in my head. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to do this. It'd be cool to do this. So I just type mm. it into chat GPT. I'm like, what do you think of this idea? And it gives me like a whole bunch of suggestions and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I didn't mm. think about that. Or, yeah, that makes sense. It's been really cool to play around with and just to get some ideas and stuff like that and stuff that I might be, you know, building up into something else. But it is cool to use to help spur creativity and all that kind of stuff. Not having you having it write the stuff for you, but just, you know, get some ideas and get some, um, uh, get the creative juices flowing a little bit. Hmm. All right. 
Okay, and I'm a little leery of the AI, but I could see it. I could see a, a case being argued for it as kind of like a creative prompt, kind of like those boxes mm-hmm. of writer prompts you see at bookstores. Where it's just right. Like you take yeah. Hard, and then you you take that scenario and just kind of run with it. So right. exactly, yeah. Although it works better because you can, you know, you can bring it back, and so it's like it gives me some ideas. I'm like, I don't like that. Do you have some? What if we did this instead? And it will rework those ideas based on what you what you you've inputted. So it's it's really good it it works really well it's it's um i've been pretty impressed with it so far i mean it's that's a whole different story from like the you know the the image uh, ai which is a whole different thing because that's yeah, been trained that's, by you know yeah yeah we're not gonna get into that here yeah. Syrup. yeah absolutely um but the other thing is i picked up there's a new mutant sale uh on amazon at the time we're recording this so i'd picked up yeah. the um the the first two epic collections, and then also the mm-hmm. um, a more recent series, uh, the one uh, first the Zeb Wells and the Abnett and Lanning stuff. So I've been mm-hmm. reading the Zeb Wells stuff, and I was never a New Mutants guy. That was like that's like my one blind spot in X Men is New Mutants X Force. So, but mm-hmm. I started reading the Abnett the the Zeb Wells stuff, and it's really enjoyable. I've been really digging it, and um, I'm looking forward to going through that and and then eventually going back to the early stuff as well Mm -hmm. yeah new mutants is one of those things but i was never a huge x guy and even when like in the 90s when it was on fire and i think everybody legally had to have the chris claremont jim lee x-men number one i think it was the law i think they issued it to you whenever you moved to a new neighborhood like (laughs) like packets of tide um yeah, I was never the hugest guy. I mean, there are individual X-Men I like. My favorites are like Colossus, Nightcrawler. Um, but I mainly kept like X-Factor when Peter David was writing it. And Joe oh, Pizarro yeah. Was doing the art. That was that was more my my speed. But uh, yeah, yeah. The New Mutants, I they've always been in kind of my peripheral vision, especially when they went to like, I think I remember reading the annual where they went to Asgard because there was that whole bit where Danny Moonstar was a Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. that was pretty wild. So comics, kids. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting. I I wouldn't mind necessarily dipping back, maybe in that whole era where like Arthur Adams was on the book, and then you know Liefeld showed up for the first time, and it was like a big deal. Like, oh crap, mm-hmm. here comes the man called Cable. What's his deal? And then and then the nineties happened. <laughs> yeah, nineties <laughs> came in in a big bad way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Zeb Wells has really kind of impressed me lately. I was, you know, I was put off by his work early on because he did that reality TV show, New Warriors thing. But mm. um, but he's done now this, uh, he's doing a run on Amazing Spider-Man. And I read the first two books of that, I think. And I really like those. And now this series, that I, New Mutant series that I'm reading now, it's really good. It's really kind of turning, my, turning around my impression of him. That Spider-Man run, that's the one with uh, Ramita Jr. on the art, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where they do that cool arc with Tombstone, where it's like, yes, yes, yeah. you think that Tombstone's going straight, but then you find out that, no, he's played Peter like a Stradivarius and has him, like, take down all the Rose's thugs, and then Peter's mm-hmm. like, oh, dip. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's some good stuff. That's, yes, that's yeah. Uh, I'm only, I've only read the first two books on that, so I'm still waiting for other stuff to, to come on sale. Oh, but yeah. I really like those. I, I really enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Today, we're yes. here to talk about um, Batman uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders, which is 
an animated um, follow-up to the um, the Batman 66 series, which sees Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar coming back and reprising their voices as Batman, Robin, and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and this was also followed up by a sequel, uh, Batman vs. Two-Face, which saw William Shatner as Two-Face. Doing yeah. an idea that they had had in the in the series for Two Face mm-hmm. and just never got a chance to do it, and they finally did it in this animated form instead. Now I haven't seen that one. We're just talking about the first one here. But mm-hmm. before we jump too big into that, let's talk about you know our histories with Batman sixty six because we talked on off mic a little bit uh, yesterday mm-hmm. about this, and you had you talked l- briefly about your history with Batman sixty six. So let's dive into that. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of always been in the the peripheral vision of of myself as a, as a young nerdling. I mean, I grew up with you know superheroes in the home. Like the, I learned to read thanks to like you know um, the Fisher Price read along books that were based on DC properties: Superman from Krypton to Metropolis, Batman and Robin, in the case of the Laughing Sphinx. And you know that that book in particular was kind of very kind of influenced by the '60s show, but they you, they would utilize classical music for the score. That's where I first heard "Night on Bald Mountain" because they use "Night on Bald Mountain" as Batman's theme. So that was nice. real cool. Make makes sense, especially if you've seen Fantasia. Like holy moly! Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, mainly with the '66 show. It was on a Canadian television show called Switchback, which was kind of like it was kind of like a like a talk show format, like variety show format geared to a younger crowd. And every, every episode they would feature a Batman serial, which was one of the episodes from the Batman uh, 66 show, which always ended on a cliffhanger because they'd always be in some predicament and it would get resolved within the first two minutes of the new episode. So that was how I kind of came on board with it. And you know, when you're a kid, it's all just input, right? Like you, you love Batman. You don't notice that, the show is obviously meant to be ridiculous, but it's grounded by West and Ward's performance, just taking it deadly serious. Mm-hmm. Like for, for older cats, it's it's hilarious. For younger kids, it's still, it's Batman. He's beating up the Joker. Why does the Joker right. have a mustache? Who cares? It's the Joker. <laughs> like, And they fight and they have crazy situations and it, it's incredible. And when you grow older, you know, there's invariably that period where I was like, oh man, this, this show is just dumb. It's stupid mm-hmm. baby stuff. And look at the, look at Tim Burton's Batman is so much better. I mean, look at that Dutch tilt. Look mm-hmm. at that over-the-top performance from Jack Nicholson. Look at the Batmobile. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it's got a rocket engine. T- Wait a minute. <laughs> this is suspiciously similar. And then those, those that familiarity would only increase as the original Batman movies went on and the Bill Dozier influence got cranked up to 11 once we hit mm-hmm. the Schumacher era. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I, I adore it. And when the comics came back, when the web series, Jeff Parker was doing the writing on it. And then, you know, you had all those great crossovers like Wonder Woman 77, Batman and Robin meet the man from uncle Batman and the green Hornet, where they actually get to meet for the first time. It's written by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman of all people, but it's actually pretty fun. Like you get to see them have a full on team up uh, in a comic book form, which is a follow up to their actual team up when Mm. they met each other in their crossover episode, which was like, that was the event that was Avengers before Avengers was Avengers. So right. Yeah. Or John Steed and Emma Peel, of course, but I digress. Yeah. Batman 66 is a lot of fun. And as I get older and I kind of like, 
I don't necessarily mind a grim dark story. My brother Ryan likes to paint me as the silver bronze age guy that like, you know, you put a jetpack on there or a, like a fin on someone's head and you're you're in like fin. And yeah, I'll I'll eat that up. I mean, I love Adam Strange. I love I love all those 60s 70s characters and I do like a I like I like a dark superhero story. I like I like irredeemable, mm-hmm. incorruptible. Uh, Gail Simone's leaving a megalopolis is good. I thought Brightburn was actually pretty okay. Oh yeah, I, I like that. I I, I I thought that movie was real good. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't mind a dark superhero tale, but there's just something nice about being able to go back to superheroes at their core, which is just big over the top stories that are meant to be, you know, inclusive to mm-hmm. kids. Don't don't necessarily talk down to kids because the the '66 Batman, for all its silliness and for all the archness, never talked down to the kids. Like they always played it like they always played their hearts out on the ice, and they made a great show that kids could enjoy and adults could kind of laugh at. But secretly, behind your cynical veneer, you like it too because you mm-hmm. like Batman when he's big and friendly and nice. You like superheroes when they're nice. That's the whole thing. They're 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 meant to help people. Like, that's just my opinion. Like, Batman 66, I eat it up with a spoon these days. I, I absolutely love it. And this movie, when I got a chance to watch it, and when I watched it again, and I was, I, as I mentioned to you off mic, I have taken many notes. <laughs> many notes. This might be a long one, guys. You might want to get a snack or something from the fridge. <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's real well, fun. speaking of the... Speaking of the the light and dark comparison, have you ever read the Wrong Earth comic book series? Oh, absolutely, I have. Dragonfly yeah. Man and the Dragonfly, and just like the the whole notion of like, yes, you are initially meant to think of oh, one is the bad one, the other is the good one, but then when they switch Earths over a period of time, you begin to see that they have more in common with each other than you might think, and yeah, it's really fun, and they the art. The art is incredible. I forget mm. who does Jamal Engel. Jamal Engel, yes, yes, he is. He's great. He manages to evoke like Batman '66 and the Arkham games at the same time. So, absolutely, I would recommend that if you're looking for something in a similar vein, but one that plays around with the the premise. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend The Wrong Earth. Yeah, um, that's a that's a great series. Uh, I remember reading that. One of my favorite moments in it, the one that sticks out in my mind, is when um, the the dark version of dragonfly is in the mm-hmm. the dragonfly man universe and he's in the mm-hmm. you know the car and he and he's talking to his computer and he's like he's like where is the location of it there and they mm-hmm. tell him exactly what the, it's like holy shit what the- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's or so like good. the the bullet repellent spray or whatever yeah. i'm just like i love this this is so good it's like is this for real oh <laughs> man anything in an aerosol can with just a big mm-hmm. bat hyphen whatever this is i'm like yes yes please slather more of it on like gravy mm. on my mashed potatoes i'm here for it yeah. um but yeah i had uh I, I i had a love-hate relationship with batman 66 for a while um because you know like you said when i was a kid too it was there had reruns out of it when i uh i think it was on Fo- on one of the fox affiliates and like in the afternoon i'd watch you know they'd have like an episode or two on like the local fox station and um and as a kid like this is the thing that made always made me laugh whenever studio heads would get all up in arms about we can't have two versions of the same character people would be confused and i'm just like bitch when i was a little kid we had Batman 66 on reruns. We had Batman 89 on VHS. Batman the Animated Series on TV. 
And I had no problem at all differentiating from these three different versions. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, um, my dad would buy me comics from the corner store, like on the spinner rack. And, you know, there's no continuities. There's no nothing. So I would I remember one of the earliest comics I ever read was like All Star Squadron with like the Golden Age Superman. And they would explain in the at the top of every issue that, hey, this this is a parallel Earth where everything happened a little earlier and they're in World War Two. So I was never confused. The whole notion of like. Like I know Marv Wolfman and, and and the various creative cats who did Crisis on Infinite Earths and and then built Legends and all that stuff afterward were like, well, we felt that it might be a little too confusing for the kids, and it's like, buddy, I knew, like I knew mm. from I knew from Jump, and I was like seven or eight years old, and I could figure, I could tell the difference between the modern day Superman and the you know Earth Two Superman because Earth Two was Jerry Ordway, Earth One was Kurt Swan, and those designs are very different, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? The only people who find this stuff confusing are adults. Like, kids have no problem differentiating between it. We're just like, okay, yeah, there's this Batman here, and he's Adam West, and he's dressed in this ridiculous costume, and he's obviously not in the shape to be wearing something that tight. And then we got Michael Keaton. Let's be honest. I mean, he wasn't in the. I I love Adam West, dude. But, you know, he's not ripped. He's not not on the cover of men's film. He's just exactly, an athletic yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's I'm no gonna... um there's no yeah. steam chicken and tuna diet in for him exactly. over he's, there. He's <laughs> not dehydrating. He and Bird Ward yeah. are not dehydrating. Yeah. No. Right, yeah. Um and then over here we got Michael Keaton in the molded bat suit with the, the rubber um the rubber abs and all that kind of stuff. And can't you know, it's all head. dark and gothic. He can't turn his head, he's doing the bat <laughs> turn, he he can barely move. And then we got, you know. Kevin Conroy on TV and he's and you know they got Batman jumping all around in this art deck and I'm like I have no problem telling the difference between these this is obviously Adam West this is obviously Michael Keaton this is obviously Kevin Conroy I had no problem I was not confused at all as a kid um yeah Grant all that Morrison stuff. has oh sorry sorry go ahead go ahead Look, Grant Morrison has a great quote about this in their book Super Gods where it's just like Children are not confused by this because they know something that most adults have lost track of. And that is that Batman is not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, they don't know, they don't need to worry about who puts the air in the Batmobile's tires because they know the Batmobile is not really real mm-hmm. in the way that like so many of us want it to be. And I, and I was like, okay, that hurts me as a guy who owns like multiple editions of DC Comics who's who in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe where I need those stats, Grant. I need them because they they, they help my soul. But I understand what you're saying, Grant. Yeah, I, I Super Gods that. is Super Gods is amazing. I, I read that book and I've I've quoted that thing on this show before. Like, you know, who Adults ask stupid fucking questions like who puts air in the Batmobile's tires? Nobody puts air in it. It's a fucking imaginary world. <laughs> God, I love Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. If they ever oh, do man. like a multiversity thing, like, oh my God, I'm here. Or we should, oh my God, if we did multiversity. First of all, that'd be a multi-part epic in your mm-hmm. other like book club. But we'll we'll stick a pin in that because that, that's for the Patreon. We'll, 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 we'll Absolutely, stick with what yeah, yeah. we're dealing with right we'll, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as as I got older, I started to develop, uh, I started to hate Batman 66 because, you know, there was a time when, you know, anybody who nowadays, not so much, but anybody who was coming up of age in like the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, maybe even the, the early two, the early aughts to a certain extent, there was this tendency in the mainstream 
whenever something comics related, I swear to God, every fucking article that had something to do with superheroes or comic books, it was like editorially mandated. It was like a congressional, I don't know, it was like a law that every single article had to start with Biff, Bam, Zop, comic books aren't for kids anymore, or some bullshit like that. <laughs> every fucking time. And it was... Yep. And I'm just like every goddamn time and seeing like everybody's vision of comic books being Batman 66 as the as the basis and and me trying to be there, like scream to the void. Comic books aren't like this. They're serious. There's 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 good stuff here. You know, we've got Watchmen. We've got V for Vendetta, Dark Knight Returns, you know, God Loves Man Kills, all this other. This is serious stuff. You should pay attention. And everyone's like, Biff, bam, zop. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck Batman 66. <laughs> fuck Bill Dozier. And that was my attitude for a long time. And then, which is why I had such a negative reaction to Batman and Robin when I first saw it. And then over time, you know, just like the Grinch who stole Christmas, you know, my my teenage angst heart started to soften. I'm just started like, yeah, Batman 66, that movie, that slaps pretty hard. Like the, the bomb scene. <laughs> it is Perfect. one of the most, it's one of my favorite pieces of physical comedy in the latter half of the 20th century. That's almost Buster Keaton-esque, Charlie Chaplin-esque, and Adam West sells the hell out of it. Like, it's obviously just a giant paper mache bomb with like a fizz mm. cracker in it, but you don't care because you're so invested. Like, you gotta, you can't let the bloke in front of the nuns, Batman. You can't let the duckies get hurt. Come on, Batman. Like, uh, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Like, yes, yes, Batman, we have all been there. <laughs> But then also what happens afterwards, like I can't, Robin's like, I can't believe you almost sacrificed your life to save that riffraff in the bar. Mm -hmm. They may be drunkards, Robin, but they're still human. (laughs) You love it. You love to see it. Like all the little safety bits and public service bits that are laced throughout the Batman movie. God, yeah, God, I love it. Even like when he goes, when he, when he, because he has to ask Alfred to drive the Batmobile because of course Robin can't drive the Batmobile because he doesn't have a license. And then he asks Alfred, he's like, do you have your license, sir? In my wallet, sir. And it's like, good man. He's like, as if someone, some cop is going to pull over the fucking Batmobile. (laughs) And then Alfred's driving around with the eye mask on. (laughs) With the domino mask on. Oh my God, yes. Under his glasses. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, oh, man. That's one of my notes for the movie. We'll get into it when we get into it. But Alan Napier, oh, my God. That man had an understated sense of comic timing, and he's just so perfect as Alfred. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm, I have to think that Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., when he took over for Batman the Animated Series, had to have been studying a couple of those classic 60s episodes. Oh, yeah. Because it just feels like they're of a continuum of just this nice mix of servile and snark. Which you know, I'm glad I, you... I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, just like whenever I read a Batman comic book, I, I hear Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. Anytime I see Alfred in a comic book, I hear Zimbalist's voice in my head. Like he was just Absolutely. like the pitch perfect Alfred. The the dry delivery of mm-hmm. I diapered your bottom, I bloody well ought to, sir. Mm-hmm. Like so good. Ugh. Oh my God! Yes. By the way, I I took the liberty of putting away your utility belt and your exploding gas balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such rot! You're the very model of sanity. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love all right. It. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this movie. Uh, yes. What did you feel? What, what was your thoughts after watching this the first time and then rewatching it this last time? Watching it the first time, I I quite liked it. I quite enjoyed it. 
But I really think that the second viewing really made me fall in love with this movie in a big, bad way, because it's just, it's so good in that. All right, folks, from the jump, you need to know that this movie is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That is not a bug. (laughs) That (laughs) is a feature. (laughs) You need to be aware that if you're coming into this movie, you need to know that much like Batman 66, the movie, this is more of that. So if you were like, this is not my cup of tea, you might want to consider finding a different film. But if you are on board for that, boy, howdy, does this creative team just dive in. Like this was written by Mike Jelenic and James Tucker. And like they put it all on the ice. They, they I, I think that they might have thought that they only get the one so let's mm-hmm. just throw everything that we want, everything that we always wanted to see from 66 Batman. But if they had like an unlimited budget and could just go completely ham, let's let's do this. Like, I, I, I adore it on the second viewing and I think it really holds up. And I think there's a lot of bits in this that are that are just fun in a way that... Mm-hmm. Knew that they knew that if kids watch this, they would have a great time. Adults watching this are going to have an amazing time because it's just mm-hmm. basically like spot the references, spot the Easter eggs, enjoy the jokes, enjoy the banter, and good lords, there's a lot of it. So mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I love this movie to yeah. bits. So I've only seen it the one time, so I'm going to have to watch it a second time to see what how uh, my opinion changes of it based on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I dug it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. what I loved especially, well, first off, I mean, Adam West, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, God rest his soul now, but he Mm -hmm. had, even at at the age, I'm not sure how old he was when he did this, but like in his seventies or eighties or something Mm -hmm. has not missed a step, right? He's still just right on point in this. Um, oh yeah. Burt Ward. I was amazed. Like Burt Ward still has that, had that youthful voice in it. Like I, Mm -hmm. I was amazed at how well he was able to, cause when I heard, when I, when I'd read that they'd be doing it, I'm like, okay, Adam West, I've heard his voice and other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. family guy and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, heard him when he was on the, the old edition that kept of Kevin Smith's, uh, fat man on Batman. And <clears throat> just like that voice has stayed consistent throughout. So I knew that, but like Burt Ward, he was a, you know, he was a kid when he did this ser- Well, I'm a young man or whatever. Mm-hmm. And twenties, like right. Twenties. And, you know, I wasn't so sure if he could still match that voice that he had back then, but he did. He did a pretty damn good job. I, I, if you told me this was recorded in the '60s and it was like some lost soundtrack that then put animation to, I would have believed it. Julie Newmar, I think less so. I think she's definitely, um, she's def- her voice is definitely showing signs of age. Mm. I would argue that West also sounds a little more. His voice is a little craggier than it was back in in the day it still holds together reasonably well it's not a deal breaker but her mm-hmm. but him and him and numar they have they have aged a bit and it mm-hmm. is it's visible in the recording but again not a deal breaker it's just an observation that you make but ward is ward is close to perfect like holy mm-hmm. crap like if you were to lay some of his dialogue from the 60s episode next to his dialogue in this movie i would be hard pressed to, to tell which was which if he gave me a just if i was unaware Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I think I got to sh- give a shout out to uh, Jeff Bergman, William Selliers, and uh, Wally Wingert, who did the Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler, respectively. And then Jim Ward is uh, Commissioner Gordon, and Steve Weber is Alfred Pennyworth. All of those guys, because we didn't have those original actors, they're all you know they haven't they're all long long gone. But mm-hmm. uh, they, if I didn't know those original actors were dead. 
with the exception of, I think it's a little bit less so with the Riddler, but with the others, I could have sworn those are the original guys. I could have sworn I was listening to Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith. I thought they really did a great job with that. Yeah, I feel that the, I actually feel that Joker and Riddler <laughs> are pretty close. Like the Frank Gorshin cadences are pretty close with the Riddler. Uh, the Penguin is good, but I, I just feel he doesn't quite have the zing of Burgess Meredith. He's, there's just mm-hmm. something there that's a little lacking. Again, not a deal breaker. He does an amazing right. job with what he's been given. And I did like the bit where like, I think the subliminal was like when they introduced all the comic covers with the various villains, it's like, okay, this is, this might not be a one-to-one with what you remember. Because of course, the most egregious thing about the Joker is that the Joker does not have the mustache. I was like, Mm. how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, I was thinking that too. No, the mustache. But then I was like, well, maybe it's a likeness thing. They don't want to make him look too much like Cesar Romero, or they might, they might have to pay for some likeness rights. But I was just like, how dare you, sir? come in here and keep the one bit about the 60s joker that is that is timeless and delightfully insane is that of course the joker has a mustache but it is also covered in the makeup (laughs) (laughs) which i never noticed as a kid but as an adult i can't not notice it like every time i watch batman 66 and every time the joker's on screen i just can't my eyes just go straight towards that upper lip i was like it's right there it's right there Yes, if you can get past the mustache, then you know that you are going to be able to accept that premise, as outrageous as it is. Much like you can accept that Batman and the Joker will have a surfing contest, and they will yes. wear shorts over their clothes. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. <laughs> but um, the Easter eggs, like, I, the Easter eggs were great, but what I, one of the things I loved, too, was just, like, the the hinting at, like, the double entendres. Right. Like, and Harriet comes in and she's like, she's like, oh, you know, they've got this double life. You know what um, they are. <laughs> and then and Alfred's like, excuse me, I have to go upstairs and polish the doorknobs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I loved it. I loved it. Like Aunt Harriet being there and being in this episode was delightful because, of course, mm. it's all that worth them bullcrap uh coming to the fore. And the reason that she was even on the show was to help allay those fears when she comes out and directly states like i know you you, i thought you kept me around as a you know as a i can't remember the exact (laughs) line she used but it was so perfect so so dumb but yeah like the whole like the fishing trips you boys sure go fishing a lot (laughs) (laughs) they have to leave at night the bat signals up in the sky and they're saying that you're gonna go fishing like oh lordy that was amazing and we get to see some stuff that we we logically never saw from the show where like they jump on the bat poles. You get to see the, the transformation sequence mm-hmm. of the costumes as they go down the, as go down the bat poles. And it's almost like a sailor moon, like magical girl sequence where like the, <laughs> the, the costumes are swirling around and like their, their, their actual clothes are being taken away. And like they get down off the bat poles and they're in their full togs. And then they jump in the Batmobile and it's, it's just so lovingly rendered. Like, I love it. And of course, my notes here say uh, 60s Batmobile is the best Batmobile. Fight me. (laughs) God, it's so good. And in animated form, it looks even better. I just, I adore it. Like, yeah. But yeah, Yeah. so good. good. Um, Derek would have definitely agreed with you on that. I know he had always said like 66 Batmobile was his favorite Batmobile. For me, I go with, I I like it. It's cool, but I, I prefer Canopy Batmobile. And um, Anton first, 1989. 1989 is great, but I think 
the animated series one is my favorite. Oh well, yeah, also because that's just like a, it's just like a nice sleek update of the the eighty nine one. It's just taking the eighty nine one and just making it as aerodynamic as possible, yeah, and yeah. kind of doing away with a lot of the busy work. Which I a lot of the busy work, it gets rid of the the turbine at the front and replaces it with just mm-hmm. like you know a more retro style front bumper. Like I think a grill. that works. Yeah, yeah, it works much better. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, I am kind of it is kind of interesting that none of these other adaptations have incorporated like the big bat grill, which is like almost in every single comic version of it. Right. Yeah, I love the bat grill. I my favorite version of the Batmobile in comics is like that late 70s early 80s Jim Aparo Batmobile where it was it was replicated in the Superpowers toys where it has like the the swooping lines and like it does have the canopies from the 66 Batmobile but it also has like the uh the bat like silhouette on the hood where like mm-hmm. the eyes are the are the headlights yes it yes so choice like that Batmobile is the best and I think like I, I think only the Golden Age Batmobile really rivals it because there are other Batmobiles where I'm just like, like the Norm Brayfogel one, which just looks like a Lego brick that's colored mm. in Batman colors and is just driving around. But yeah, yeah, like in a 60s Batmobile, especially in animated or like comic book form as well, just, just, it just pops in a way that it just, it just makes me happy seeing it like tearing down the street. And when they pull up to like police headquarters and Batman pulls <laughs> off that, like turn on a dime park job. Like that was, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It have, is you ever, have you played um, the uh, Arkham Knight video game? I have, I have Arkham tank as I like to call it because Jesus, Arkham tank. Yeah. 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 But yeah. like one of the things I loved about it was putting on the, the different Batmobile skins. skins and yeah, just doing those, skidding to a stops like that i love those yeah yeah they're they're pretty good they're pretty cathartic the 89 one and the 66 one are both mm-hmm. pretty fun although the model for the arkham batmobile doesn't quite give you exactly what you want the one-to-one conversion i found was a little janky but mm. but fun yeah i i had a good time with it yeah 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 um yeah, uh, and the the references like the easter eggs like i i love how they gave him like the the when batman so you know, people who haven't seen this, Batman gets hit with Batnip and he goes dark. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Adam West playing dark Batman and it's perfect. It's so perfect. Because he's doing the quotes of like Michael Keaton Batman and Frank Miller Batman. Like he tells the Riddler, he quotes the he says to the Riddler what he said to um the mutant leader in the Dark Knight Returns, you know, he's like, this is an operating table and I'm the surgeon. And it's just Adam West delivering that line. It's so perfect. Or when he, I think he says, I think he does say to the Joker, he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And there's the whole bit of like, you know, he's, uh, he's slowly getting darker and darker and like, he starts doing things that other Batman have done. Like when he disappears out the window and commissioner Gordon and O'Hara are like, he disappeared out the window. That's a, so strange and antisocial of him. Like he's never done that before. And Robin has to be like, "Yeah, he's going through some things right now. Um, I'll see myself out." And then he goes out the door. <laughs> like it's a nice little meta commentary on like Batman, and then Batman sixty six, and then there's that whole bit where Dark Batman basically goes up to O'Hara and Gordon is like, "Why are you guys a thing? Like why? Why do I put up with you? You two are." incompetent you don't have any like when they're left on their own during the crime wave they're as helpless as babes in woods like (laughs) the gotham cops suck 
Like they can't stop anything. And those, the headlines with the increasingly insane alliteration, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's just great when they, they pull on the strings of the premise. It's so fun. And uh, also it's speaking of that, like, you know, and an odd to the the surfing thing you mentioned, when his replicas take over as Gordon and O'Hara, they put the uniforms over their bat they suits. Put the costumes on. They put the <laughs> they put the clothes on over their bat uh, costumes to the point Even where he like replaces the citizenry, and you've got a Batman pushing a stroller, <laughs> like a house fifties housewife getup. I'm like, okay, all right, yep, yep, yep. This is all insane. I love it. Yep, you knew the assignment and you did it. <laughs> Absolutely. They all knew the assignment here and they they're all having a blast. Like when Batman gets hit in the head and like he looks at Catwoman and Catwoman splits into three Catwomen, <laughs> Meriwether, <laughs> Newmar and Eartha Kitt. <laughs> that was fantastic. My one regret would, is that Catwoman didn't get hit with the replicator ray and we would have had all three of those Catwomen running around for a brief period. That would have been amazing. <laughs> That would have been nice, yeah. You, you don't always get what you want. But. but also in the Batcave, right, we get the the classic Batsuits. You've got the first appearance one. You've got the more classic the year one version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are some nice bits of business. One of my notes just reads, giant robot T-Rex. Because mm-hmm. I, I saw it when like they're pulling into the parking lot. And I'm like, yes, someone here in the set design was like, you know what this needs? The giant T-Rex. The only thing that The only other thing that was missing was the giant penny. If the giant also, penny had been there, I would have been like, yes, please. But also, here's here's one quote I love. You know, I'll turn myself in on one condition. We run away to Europe together, sip tea in a cafe, and live happily ever after. And then Robin, <laughs> holy unsatisfying ending! <laughs> I hope whoever, whichever of the writers of that bought themselves a nice steak dinner afterward, because mm-hmm. that was perfect. I think anybody who's seen The Dark Knight Rises and was just like, yeah, no, nah, dog, that's not for me, was absolutely like, yes, yes, that's exactly right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's the only response. Yeah. So good. So pure. And the sexual innuendo, too. Like, you'll be gentle with me, Batman. You have my assurance. I will handle you personally. (laughs) And the whole bit where, like, you know, they get into the Catmobile and like Robin's going to take her, going to take Catwoman to the Batcave. And she's like, I trust you'll keep your hands to yourself when he like hits her with a knockout gas. And there's that moment where Robin does the slow pan over Catwoman in that suit. And you're, and you're like, Robin, don't pay. <laughs> Watch it, bud. And he's just, he shakes his head clear and like looks at the road real intent. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that was funny. But I was like, whoo. Ooh, the line is like right here, guys. It's right here. <laughs> You're getting real close. You might want to pull up, but real fun. Like, yeah, all the bits of business. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, when they're when they're about to go to the observatory, and Batman's like, "I see a bad moon rising." <laughs> I was One like, of my favorites, though, is when they go to the when they're going into space. An intergalactic spaceship is just another tool in the crime fighter's arsenal. <laughs> The bat, the bat rocket. Okay, okay. Where are my notes? Where are my notes? Oh my god, I loved it. The bat rocket with the bat countdown, the bat radar dish, and bat ignition. And if you look carefully in the cockpit, everything has bat hyphen something. That's like, yes, you all knew what to do. Like everybody, I think who worked on this thing loves 66 Batman and it shows because it's on every frame. Then like, and when Batman gets darker and he's starting to hit people, like he breaks out the bat brass knuckles and you're like, 
oh, oh no. <laughs> and even the font of like the hits are like fracture, like <laughs> brutalized. <laughs> like, like, he's just, yeah, you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's getting dark in here, but the show mm-hmm. is still built to be friendly. <laughs> so it's trying to do two things and it's not working. That's why it's so great because it's such a great thing about, it's just such a nice little meta commentary, unintentional intentional or otherwise about how deconstructing this doesn't work because it mm-hmm. can't, like the fictions, the fictions don't, they don't blend well. <laughs> mm. <laughs> hearing, hearing Adam West Batman saying, you want to get nuts is just like, partially awesome and partially like okay no something's wrong (laughs) something's wrong this is off model yeah love it And that's what's so great about it is just the point you made earlier about how the one of the great things about the 66 show was how adam west was dead serious the whole time you know it's i liken it to um uh Leslie Nielsen in airplane. Like he's just deadpan with his, that deadpan delivery is what sells it. And it's the same thing with 66 Batman, Adam West, deadpan dry delivery works so mm-hmm. perfectly. And when he, when you take that and you apply it to dark Batman, it's so good. It's so good. I love it. Yes. When he goes full supervillain and literally starts cackling, it's simultaneously one of the most unnerving and funniest things I've ever seen where he's just mm-hmm. like, I'll see you fools later. <laughs> You're like this. No, no, I don't like this. I don't think I like this. It's kind of funny, but I don't think I like this. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's so good. Like we'll ditch. Uh, what do you say, baby? You and me get together. And it's just like, um, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, but, but West also manages to bring in some real moments of like, holy shit, you're kind of menacing here. Like when he threatens mm. Aunt Harriet, and then he yeah. just straight up fires Alfred. Like, and then he's, and then, you know, he's watching the, the thing. And it's it's almost like Superman 3 when he goes evil. Like, he's watching mm. the Miranda, Miranda Monroe, like, va, va, boom. And it's just like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and, and I love how, I love how Robin throughout the whole movie's been like, no, Batman, don't kiss her like cooties. <laughs> just stuff like that. Like, he's just so dorky it's amazing the Catwoman robin dynamic is great too or it's just like and then we'll mm. kill robin and everything will be fine we'll fly yeah. off together <laughs> and, and of let's course be honest, yeah. who who among us who watched that show has not thought of killing robin at some point <laughs> i mean to be fair yeah he is <laughs> like as 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 straight laced as batman is good lord like robin like you you need to chill bud mm. you are at 15 we need you at about nine <laughs> like you're you've got to calm down and i love how that doesn't go away like there's that great bit when like dick's living on his own he's got the apartment and he's got the closet that's full of robin costumes mm-hmm. like i don't know how he'd explain that if he ever had a guest over um i go to a lot of conventions <laughs> something like that like i don't know how he would explain it but still practicing his ballet because ballet is mm-hmm. important Mm. But also to the point of um, uh, firing Alfred. Like, I love <laughs> the end of that where he's like, Alfred and I had a discussion about one day I may be brainwashed into becoming a supervillain. And I told him what to do. <laughs> Batman is always a step ahead. Like, that's the whole point. He's Batman. Of course he would come up with a contingency for that sort of thing. He's Batman. And then you come to find out the whole premise of the movie is a giant misdirect. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole point of making Batman evil wasn't for anything else than just to do this art robbery. And I'm just like, <laughs> fellas, for real. <laughs> this was this was this was the goal. You made clones of yourselves and sacrificed them to die so that you could steal the first puzzle in the world. Uh a hobo clown painting and the, the penguin steals a bunch of like bullion or something. And it's so over the top and ridiculous. And I'm here for it. I, you 100%. went to outer space. That's outer space. You went to outer space. You went to a space station that looked like the Kremlin. <laughs> because it's Belgrave, the nation of Belgravia, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, in my notes, it's like, of course it looks like the Kremlin. Of course it does. Like, it's got the little spinnerets and everything. Like, oh, God bless. God bless the designers of this show. And also the uh, the the abandoned TV dinner factory with the yes, giant... Yes, <laughs> a giant TV dinner that they're going to cook them on. Like, first of all, several questions. Second of all, <laughs> second of all he uses the lemon tart to burn acid, burn the ropes. Like that almost had me on the floor. Like I forgot that that was how he got out of that. And then when I saw it, I immediately started cackling with delight. Like, yes, of course, Batman. Use the lemon meringue. Yes, please. Please, God, yes. Like that would be at the moment I think most sane people would be like, come on, man. This is some bullshit. Where's the where's the Mystery Science three, Theater 3000 crew to make fun of this? I'm like, no, keep going. Yes, keep mm-hmm. going, please. I, I I loved it to death, like all the over the top stuff. And it was a nice nod to like Dick Sprang and like the giant typewriters and all that kind of crazy shit. Of course, what's the next logical progression? A giant TV dinner in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I love this movie. You know, I think the one disappointing thing is that this came out um, before uh, or around the same time as Batman v Superman. Because <laughs> imagine like the kind of gags they would have played based on that. Oh my God. Could you imagine like one of the unrealized dreams of like the sixties, like the sixties Batman comic was like, okay, he's teamed up with wonder woman 77. Could you imagine if we got George Reeves Superman in here? Like, Oh yeah. So good. Like it's an unrealized dream. Like I would love to see that even if just in comic form would be great. Mm -hmm. Like just playing around with like the setting and the other characters within that sort of milieu would be, would be really fun. I just, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, because yeah, I was like, if they're being lowered into the nuclear pile, I was like, man, it's a shame Superman ain't around to save you <laughs> in the nick of time. But thankfully, Robin had a had a plan with the anti-bat isotope spray. <laughs> that was actually one of the that was one of the disappointments about, um, you know, they had the Batman 89 comic and Superman 78. I'm like, mm-hmm. And it's just like one thing each, like just that one miniseries. And I'm just like, oh man, these are so good. And I just, I want you to do with Batman 789 and Superman 78, what you did with Batman 66 and have them team up and have them interact with each other. I would have loved to see that. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or Batman 66 and George Reeves Superman, that would have been, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, because there's that one great... Um... Alex Ross piece where you see Batman and Robin in the sixties Batmobile and there's George Reeves Superman flying above them, like saluting them. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks so cool. I'm like, make that a reality. That would be incredible. Like George Reeves Superman and like sixties Batman. That would be so good. Especially if each was a product of their time. So you oh, had yeah. 
10 years later, George Reeves, Superman with like a little bit of gray at the temples, like, like a nice little, I see you there. I see you there, George Perez with your Mr. And Mrs. Superman look, Jose Garcia Lopez with a little gray at the temples. Yes, please marinate me with that stuff. Slather it on like gravy. I'm, uh, but this movie is also really great, even without Superman, because you've got an army of Batman clones, a Batman who's gone mad with power and just like, oh yeah, that final fight where they recruit all the 60s Batman villains, like mm-hmm. King Tut, Bookworm, Egghead, <laughs> like all these these goobers and like Mr. Freeze and, you know, a bunch of name, uh, nameless jobbers that I didn't recognize because sadly yeah. I... I've only really watched like the first half of the first season. I really got to get back on Batman 66 because I got to track down who all these people are because they were holding their own. Some of them were holding their own pretty well against Batman for a little while there before the tide turns. So It surprised me that they haven't released that on HBO Max yet. I mean, you would think because they have those box sets and my brother right. has the complete series. So because I know it originally like those those weren't on DVD for a while because of rights issues with. Fox oh, yeah, yeah. and CBS, something like that. But my understanding is that they got all that straightened out, and Warner Brothers now owns it, Lock, Sock, and Barrel. So I'm not, I'm surprised they haven't put that on, um, on the HBO Max. You would think, but I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's, maybe there's just some residual syndication rights somewhere maybe, that keeps yeah. it from, that keeps it from being seen on TV. Like you can collect it on Blu-ray, on DVD. Mm-hmm. But something's holding it back because this would be a no brainer for like yeah. content because it's three mm. years of some really fun television. I mean, even the third season when they brought in Batgirl and things didn't quite seem to be at the same level as it was in the early seasons. Still fun, still entertaining. So, you know, you know that was I actually think... that was surprising to me that they there's no mention uh, of Batgirl. I, I figured they would have mm. tried to have done something, at least some sort of uh, appear cameo or something here of her. Yeah, you would think, but I think this is meant to be of a piece with the, with the first season, first two seasons, and then kind of leading us into that. This is supposed to slot in somewhere in those in that era because, right? Yeah, I, I might be misremembering, but I think the Two Face one kind of features into that. Although that could oh, be okay. me mis- jumbling it in with the comics, but we'll see. Although, oh wow, like I, I got to see the second one now because I just saw too that. Mm. You know, not only do you have Shatner as Harvey Dent and Two Face, but they've even got Harley Quinn in there too. Yes, they do have Doctor Harley and Quinzel in mm. the '60s version of that. Do you know who they wanted originally in the '60s Batman show to play Harvey Dent slash Two Faced? Uh, no. <clears throat> it was, I mean, I did at one be, point, but I forgot. It's going to be a young man who uh, was famous for the TV western Rawhide, uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, they wanted a young Clint Eastwood. <laughs> To play Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. That's why in the 60s comic special, the model for Two-Face is very obviously Clint Eastwood. And it looks oh, wow. real good. Yeah. Not that Chatner doesn't does a bad job. Like his 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 performance is actually really fun. So mm. maybe that'll be no, maybe that'll be the sequel to this episode. We'll talk about that one. We'll gush about that one a little bit. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um now you had a bunch of notes for this. So is there anything else you wanted oh, to mention? Um jumping out. Let's see. I mean, we did cover the the lemon meringue pie. Uh, I loved the... All right, so le- lemon meringue pie. Anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, no. Um, let's see here. Let me just double check. I did like the bat diving suits with the, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, with the grills. 
on them. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, the, the the capes on them, I should say. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the, the the deep the old fashioned deep sea diving suits yeah. right not modern scuba gear Scooby Doo looking diving bell suits which were amazing mm. um, the uh, let me see here the Catwoman and Robin team up was pretty fun I like how they absolutely hate each other but it's the it's Catmobile too <laughs> Catmobile that was wonderful the Joker Mobile makes a brief appearance which I also mm. thought was fun. Um, the, the, the line about Batman forever, where I was like, I see what you're doing. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the prison inspectors, prison inspectors. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> Just like, holy Jesus. That was great. And you know, the, the whole notion of Batman literally pulling a Joker and holding the town hostage by having his bat clones attach bombs to all the VHF uhf cables mm-hmm. they turn off the tv or change the channel it'll explode so i'm crazy and he sicks all his army of batman on them while he's doing the batusi i mean just just <laughs> yes it's so good i would recommend it to everyone so yeah this is this is some great stuff was it the end credits with the with Batman and Catwoman dancing? <laughs> oh yeah, they're all just dancing and rocking out, and I'm like, yes, that's how every superhero movie should end. Like, just like the heroes, just having a dance party, like just having a good time, showing that everything's all right. We're all doing well. Why don't you come over and, and have a good time with us? Yeah, I I had a I had a great time with it. Yeah, you so you've good. seen you've seen uh you've seen Titans, right? Have you seen the second mm-hmm. season of it? Uh, I've seen a little. But I haven't seen the full the whole thing. So, did you see Scott Glenn doing the Batuut seat? No, I think wasn't okay. that when Dick was like tripping out on something? Yes, like, yes, he, yes. Yeah, he yeah, was hallucinating, yeah, yeah. and he was in this uh, this strip club or something, trying to find a contact, and then he mm-hmm. hallucinates Bruce Wayne on stage, and he's doing the Batuut seat and everything. <laughs> Scott Glenn yes. was. Like, I know a lot of people don't like him as bad, but I thought he was great because he's like this bizarre mix of Michael Keaton and Adam West. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, but it just works. I, I think he were I think he's one of the better, the brighter lights of that show, if I'm being mm-hmm. really honest with you. Like, absolutely. He you hit it on the head. Like he's a nice mix of like the sixties weird and the eighties weird. And I think that's yeah. that's a good thing for that show. That's exactly mm-hmm. the kind of like like sweet spot they want to hit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely look up that clip on YouTube because it's it had me on the ground when I saw it. Oh, I plan to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, nothing else about this movie in particular. Like one of the things I think that is cool about this and also the Batman 66 comic book and also like, you know, I'd mentioned Superman 78, Batman 89 is the idea of doing the continuing these very brief versions of these characters. And they had talked about maybe doing a, a wonder woman 77 with Linda Carter doing the voice, uh, which would be cool too. But are there any of these versions of these characters and like other media that you would like to see continued like an animated form or in comic form that we haven't seen so far? It's tough. I mean, of the TV show stuff. I mean, it might be fun to revisit, the John Wesley ship flash at some point, mm-hmm. like the eighties flash. I mean, we've, we've touched on him briefly in like, you know, the, the flash, the, the, the Berlanti one. And he right. Sacrif- crisis. He appeared. Yeah. Yeah. He sacrifices himself to save the multiverse, which is what flashes do, but it would be nice to maybe just have like a little tribute to that as well, because the 91 flash show is kind of underrated. Like that first season is real fun. You know, does it always stick the landing? Eh, 
eh, your mileage may vary, but that pilot was really great. And I loved the, um, the previous golden age hero that they invented for it, the deadly nightshade, the, oh, okay. the gentleman like he was, he was a, he was a, a black superhero, you know, he was kind of like a, a shadow spider type. Like he wore this oh, okay. mask and like a gas gun, that sort of thing. So that was pretty cool. And they, they kind of had their own version of the reverse flash, but it was really more of a bizarro kind of deal. But yeah, mm-hmm. it would be fun to uh, kind of play with that. And of course, I mean, if they were to bring anything back, I would want and beg and pray that they would bring Batman the Brave and the Bold back in some form or mm-hmm. another because Diedrich Bader's Batman is so goddamn close to perfect that I it it bombs my soul watching that show <laughs> because it's just like these people all get it. Like this is this is this is the Batman show. This is the superhero show that I yearned for when I was a kid. Like I, I, I liked Super Friends. I liked Superpowers. You know, Justice League when it came along. Superman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series. Great, 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 great. But those ones just were so earnest and took things so seriously. But Batman and the Brave and the Bold skirts that line so perfectly. Where mm-hmm. of course the Batmobile is a mech. Of course it's a mech. Of course it can fly. Like, of course, and like, lest you forget, like, lest you think that the Batman, the Brave and the Bull Batman is not harsh. First of all, there's the episode Chill of the Night, which is the adaptation of the classic story where he finds his parents killer. And it's good. It's written by Paul Dini. It's good. If you watch no other episodes, it's literally the Phantom Stranger played by Kevin Conroy and the Spectre played by Mark Hamill. Just basically playing chess for Batman's soul, like wanting him to be an Justice or vengeance, and it's great, so good. And then the other bit is there's a Christmas episode, and Batman hates Christmas. He's grumpy about Christmas. He doesn't like Christmas at all. And Red Tornado helps him try to find his Christmas spirit, but he can't find it. And why? Because the day that the Waynes went to the movie theater, Bruce Wayne had a temper tantrum on Christmas Day, and they were like, "Oh, we'll make it up to him. We'll go to the movies." Batman's parents got murdered on Christmas in this version. Like, that's the hardest shit in the game. Like, Jesus. Like, who? Who? Like, yeah, that that show, it it often plays it a little silly, but sometimes when it gets real, it gets real, real. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, oddly I, enough. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. And finish your thought. Oh, yeah. And, on, and as a nice little bonus feature to tie things back, in Chill of the Night, you know, Batman travels back in time and meets his parents. And Thomas Wayne is wearing the bat suit from that classic Batman story where he's inspired by his father's Halloween costume and his mom's ah. dressed like a bat. And the Waynes are played by Adam West and Julie Newmar. Oh, because no why way. Wouldn't why wouldn't they be? Like, yeah. So I have, yeah. I've only seen the first episode of Brave and the Bull, but I've been meaning to... I, I think I wanted to wait until my kids were a little bit older so that they could, you know, get into it. But, By all um, means, yeah. Yeah. Because um, right now, Helena's at the age where she won't pay attention to much other than TV show openings and um, Teletubbies, which drives oh, me and my which drives my wife fucking crazy because it's just like Teletubbies <laughs> on a goddamn loop. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But I've been trying to get her into some of this stuff like, you know. They got the Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Plus and like uh, the superhero squadron or like even some of the more like Justice League or anything like that. But she's just not she's just not ready to get into it yet. Not having it. Yeah. Not having understand. It yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, when she gets old enough. Yeah. Would recommend. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think for my part, I would. 
Flash 91 would be interesting. I've, I've been meaning to actually check that out because I'd recently seen something on YouTube going back and looking at it. And they're like, this is actually pretty good. And I'm like, I've, I've been meaning to check that out because I had seen the, the pilot was on VHS like years ago when I was a little kid. I rented it from the library and I remember seeing that. And I've got some vague memories here and there of watching the show when I was a little kid, but I don't remember much about it. So I've been meaning to go back and take a look at that and give it a real chance because um, from my understanding, based on this YouTube video, it was actually quite a bit more serious than like, say, Lois and Clark, which is the one that's more famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely was played more as a dramedy. It was on CBS mm-hmm. back in the day and it was it was less the workplace office comedy, will they, won't they, and more of a, yeah. more of trying to be an earnest superhero show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I would also like to see, I mean, Batman 89 and Superman 78, I would love to see those continue or, you know, like you said, like Batman 66, Superman 55, seeing those do a team up, that would be so cool. But, so um, you know what I think I'd really want to see? And you may think this may sound ridiculous, but I want to okay. see them do a comic book adaptation of Superman Lives. The Tim Burton, Nick Cage film that never got made. Because after after watching after watching that documentary, I I am convinced this would have been the best worst movie ever made. I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think you're I think you're 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 playing around with primal forces that you don't understand, Terry. I think if you unleash this, you'll 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 be like, let's pull open the seventh seal, and just like, oh shit, like <laughs> it might we might have something amazing. And astounding, but at what cost, Barry? What cost? <laughs> I'm willing to roll the dice on that. I'm willing to roll the hey, dice on that. <laughs> look, man, you're you're brave. Uh, you you stand out out over there. I'm gonna be behind this blast shield, <laughs> just in case. <clears throat> it could have been worse. Yeah. I could have said steel. The uh, I'm, <laughs> continuing the the Shack movie. <laughs> Look, God bless Shaq. He just wanted to be in a superhero movie. He wanted to be in it so bad. And it's clear mm. that Shaq, Shaq's physicality was an influence in John Bogdanovi's art. And I, 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 I feel that if they had just... But again, it's, it's, it's like with Venom. Like, how do you do a Steel movie without Superman? Mm. How do you do a Spider-Man movie where there's no Spider-Man... Like it doesn't make sense. Like it, it, it's it. Steel, Steel never had a chance. Never had a I chance. I mean, come out. I will say, um, Venom actually seemed to ma- manage to do it pretty well. I thought. I mean, to be fair, my brother and I, we walked into Venom going, "This is gonna fucking suck," and we walked out like, "Did that actually kind of rule?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, did yeah, that, did that rule a bit? And then, uh, well. Let there be carnage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, we're going to be doing that in an upcoming episode, actually. So, um. God, God be with you, my friend. God, God be with you. Oh, may God be between you and harm, because oh, Oof. Yeah. like All as right. good as Venom, as good as the original was, the sequel wasn't really for me. But I'll let you, I'll let you cross that Rubicon, make your own opinion. So. Yeah, you know, it was kind of surprising because I was expecting it to be better than Venom, given that you had Andy Serkis in it, you had um, uh, Woody Harrelson in it, and Woody Harrelson, yeah, yeah, yeah. This should have been a no-brainer. This should have been a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. And then I walked out of it like, what the hell happened? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, any final things to say about uh, Batman: Return of the Cape Crusaders? 
if you're looking for a fun movie that you can enjoy, a superhero movie where you're like, I don't necessarily want to watch any of the DCEU stuff because sometimes it can get a, it can skew a little dark. I'm looking for something fun for just me and the kids to enjoy. I would highly recommend this movie. In fact, you could make it a double feature with Batman 66, the movie, or you could make it a triple bill if you wanted to bring in Batman Two-Face because that mm-hmm. one is also a lot of fun. So yeah, I, I, I hardly recommend this for people who are looking for something a little, little self-aware, a little meta at times, but still has that sincerity to it and, and everybody goes home happy. I, th- I think you'll have yeah. a good time with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this was it. It was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that they they didn't pull any punches. They leaned right into the absurdity of Batman 66. And, you know, they, you know, they um, they cranked that dial up and they left it there the whole time. They cranked it up and they broke it off, which is where it should be, because, look, Mm -hmm. as I've often said with superhero movies like realism is poison. Like yeah. you have to be willing to turn that dial up to 11, break it off and don't run away from the crazy run toward the crazy. Mm. Like you gotta have, you know, blue areas on the moon and negative zones and, you know, savage lands and all this kind of crazy stuff, hidden gorilla cities. And, you know, just over the top, the city of Atlantis, like you have to make this premise as silly as it is. You have to embrace that silliness and make it part of you. That's, that's the beauty of of Adam West and Burt Ward and the Bill Dozier Batman mm. is that they don't run away from the silliness. Like they don't no. they don't clamp it down, they don't desaturate the color palette, they don't do any of that crap. They accept that this is going to be a little silly at times everybody. Mm. We're going to take you through this journey. We're going to have this adventure and at the end of the day, you're going to have fun with it. You're not yeah. going to be you're not going to be left with a superman who snaps someone's neck. Mhm. I will die yeah. angry about that. I will die <laughs> angry. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> yes, but you will have a good time with this. I, th- I think that's the main thing. Just enjoy it. Just have fun. Just have fun no. with your superheroes. It can be done. I agree completely. You know, one of the, the as much as I enjoyed uh, the Batman movie, one of my biggest disappointments with it was that we had had three Nolan films which were ostensibly Batman set in the real world. And then mm-hmm. we get a bit of absurdity. We get, you know, with the, with the Snyder stuff, right? I mean, you know, he's jumping around the place. He's doing stuff that no man could possibly physically do in that, in that suit. They bring back some of the absurdity. Um, they, you know, they, they desaturate it all to hell and they, they have a lot of other problems with it, but I did like that. They leaned more into the fantastical side of things. But then after that, they're just like, what if we did a realistic Batman? I'm like, you mean the one you just did three movies about? <laughs> I'm like, why do we have to do this again? I just, I, I think that the Batman is a great film, much the same mm. way the Dark Knight is a great film. Is it a great Batman movie? Eh, Miles may vary. I think that the Batman kind of ekes out the Dark Knight by a nose by just generally being like more about the protagonist than the antagonist. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I do, I do think that. With the recent announcement that they had that the villain that's going to be in the second The Batman is going to be Clayface, of all people. Oh, I didn't hear that. I was like, yeah, yeah. Apparently the next, I'm not sure if he's the big bad, but what villain that's going to be featuring in the second Batman, The Batman movie is Clayface. And I was like, Matt Hagen Clayface? Like, Ron Perlman Clayface? Like, shapeshiftery Clayface? Like, that has me intrigued because for Mm -hmm. so long, 
we've dealt with like the street level villains. Like we've dealt with like your Jokers, your Riddlers. Right. Like they even took Bane, who ostensibly has a wild origin story and the Venom chemical, and just essentially made him into one of Rachel Ghoul's followers, who just happens yeah. to be real strong. Which I felt was like a, a big detriment to Bane. Like Bane sucks in The Dark Knight Rises. He absolutely sucks once you figure out what the twist is. And yes. it's just like, talk about wasting a character. Because he's the yeah. anti-Batman. Like he's supposed to be just as smart as Bruce, just as physically dedicated as Bruce. And the idea that they had in Dark Knight Rises where Bane is younger mm-hmm. and Bruce is older and he's essentially the mutant leader. Like that should have been the whole point. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to tell people to go back to listen to the episode I did with Will Shorts on Dark Knight Rises because I went off on this exact thing. And I'm right there with you. I am right there with you because when we when we first get introduced, like the first half of the movie, I loved what they were doing with Bane. I'm like, okay, yes, he's younger than him. He's intelligent. He's the voice thing is weird, but whatever. I can live with it. Um, but overall, I like what we're doing here. He is the anti-Batman. He's younger than him. He's stronger than him. He's smarter than him. Bruce has got to figure out a different way to do this. And then you get to the big twist and you find out, oh, so, or before the big twist, when basically it's just Batman punches him harder. And I'm like, that completely undermines the point you were trying to make. And then after that, you get the twist of Talia. It's like, which everybody saw coming a mile away. But then it's just like, oh, he's only doing this because Talia. So basically, he's just a slightly smarter version of Batman and Robin's Bane, right? He's still a henchman at the end of the day. It's so, it's such a drag. Because the one thing that I, the one thing that I missed, the one thing that I yearned for from The Dark Knight Rises was there should have been like Alfred in Bruce's ear, like, like the video footage, like Alfred in the chair going like, sir, he will kill you. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go right now. You have to leave right now. And they just see Bruce turn off the comms and like, let's go. Because another thing they needed to play into a little heavier that they didn't was this version of Bruce has a death wish. Mm -hmm. He wants to die. Like he failed his best friend. He failed his city. He comes back and it's not meant to be triumphant. Like that's the reason that Molossus is rolling so much slower this time Mm -hmm. because he wants to die. And like, he needs to confront that and then move through the fire and become back even more more committed sipping tea with <laughs> fucking selena i'm sorry folks i'm sorry i need to exercise the demons let me cleanse <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense because it's predicated on a premise that doesn't work in that batman gives up mm-hmm. if you've ever read batman for any length of time you know that's the one thing he will never do batman doesn't give up he always comes back like the other thing that killed me about Fuck that. Ugh. No, yeah, the retirement. The, the other thing that killed me about that ending was just how, I mean, like, I get they want to do the symmetry of Alfred half living out his fantasy and all that. But before that, you completely destroy Alfred's life by making him think yes. he failed. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing to that's, this poor guy? That's the cruelest gaslighting I've ever seen, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were Alfred, I would have walked up to him and punched him in the face. Like, you son of a bitch. You made me think you were dead. I buried you. I cried my eyes out. Like, <laughs> excuse me. I got to go to the angry dome for like five minutes. <laughs> oh, right. boy. Uh, oh, boy. 
but yeah, you want to hear me go off more of that? You, go back and listen to that episode Will and I did about Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises. Um, oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, but watch Cape Crusaders instead. Of yes, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the point is, we really liked one. We didn't really like the other. Yeah. Go watch yeah. the thing that's really good. Go watch the Return of the Cape Crusaders. You mm. will have a wonderful time. It is yeah. fun. It, it it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And like, and again, I will have to stress that like Stacy mentioned, you have to really go into accepting the fact that this is going to mm-hmm. be fucking absurd. It is going to be ridiculous. You have to take that logic brain of yours and just shut it off, take it out of your head and shove it in a closet for 90 minutes. Cause you're not going to be needing it at all. <laughs> if you like the Rocky horror picture show and you're like, I would like a comic book version of that, please. I, I, mm-hmm. I, that kind of sensibility boy, you're going to have a good time with Batman yeah. 66 and the return of the Cape Crusaders. Have some fun. Treat yourself. Yeah. You will yeah. not regret it. All right. Okay, Stacy. thanks again for, for coming on. And why don't you tell people where they can find you? Uh, folks can find me online. I'm on Twitter uh, most of the time, at uh, Stacy HD. That's S-T-A-C-Y, H as in Harold, D as in David. It's not high, high definition. It's just my middle <laughs> and last name. Uh, my middle and last initials. So you can find me there. You can also find me uh, doing a podcast every Wednesday with my brother, Ryan, uh, the fanboy power hour at fanboy power hour on Twitter. We talk about comics, movies, assorted um, pop culture. Um, We're on a big star Wars kick right now. We're uh, discussing the safe star Wars. That is the Mandalorian and how people should really be watching star Wars, the bad batch, because I think that's where a lot of the stuff is going. That's getting under the radar of the, of the mouse. And they're really taking some chances because, like, not to give away the goal for next, this upcoming episode, but we watched, I watched the season finale and whoo, a bad batch and whoo, they took no prisoners in that last episode. Like, whoo, they took the whole premise and just were like, hey, how about we just upend this for you? How about we just flip this apple cart for you? And I was like, Star Wars? It's almost like you got some teeth here. All right, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Like. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're talking about that. And if you if that uh, sounds intriguing, swing by again. The uh, Twitter handle is at Fanboy Power Hour on Twitter, and you can subscribe anywhere you subscribe to your fine podcasts. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Well, thanks again for coming on, and you know, as always, welcome back anytime you want. Um, if you mm-hmm. haven't yet, because by the time this episode comes out, the um, in fact, yeah, the Patreon episode I dropped that last night. So yeah, by the time you listen to this, if you're sub- if you're subscribed to the Patreon, go make sure to listen to the episode Stacy did coming on to talk about um, Archie Goodwin, Walt Simonson's Manhunter. If you haven't gotten that dollar a month, that's all it costs to get access to that and the rest of the book club episodes. Plus, you get these regular episodes a week in advance with no ads. Um, but that does it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
Thank you for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless. <laughs>